Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Jim Adolfson of Adonis Holdings. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want, the right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stlleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Jim Adolphson. Jim and Dawson, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely, Brian. I appreciate you having me today, sir. Absolutely. We were uh, connected by a past guest, a gentleman over at Wings of Hope, Brett, and uh, I'm excited to kind of have you join me today and and dive into your career and just kind of get your views on leadership. Um, Had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of weeks ago and and really enjoyed that. So let's kind of start there. Um, Let's kind of talk about your path to Adonis and and how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, born and raised here in St. Louis, uh, I went to what was then Southwest Missouri State, now Missouri State, Uh, got a business degree. Uh, I started out uh, working out for St. Louis Bread Company and I was training the franchisees for the St. Louis Bread Company at the location right here at Tesson Ferry uh, in Kennerly, which is right by my now home, um, and got kind of sick of doing the nights and holidays and weekends, and went into financial services business where I spent 20 years. Um, it was a great career, just like anybody that's out of college. You know, I was chasing the almighty dollar and wanting to make a great career path, but After 20 years, it was not very fulfilling. Um, I was part owner of a business and sold it, kind of semi-retired at the age of 43. Um, And my business partner, Matt, and my good friend, Dave, kind of knew each other. And Matt had just started Adonis in December of 2012, and Dave introduced us. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do in life. And uh, I went and met with Matt and Matt and I kind of hit it off and I went to work for him as a business development person 
And about six months in, he came to me and says, uh, I think you'd be more valuable to me as a business partner. You have a lot of great ideas and you know, the company is only about eight months old. What do you think about joining us as an owner? And uh, we went through our due diligence. And in February of 2014, I became a uh, part owner of Adonis. So for those who don't know what you guys do, tell us what Adonis is and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So Adonis, um, I like to think of it as kind of a center stone um, to the community. So we take uh, electronic waste, uh, IT equipment, overstocked, end of life, end of use, and we refurbish it, repurpose and resell it and recycle it when necessary. So we're able to do a lot of great things with the equipment that we get in. We've been able to put computer labs into some inner city schools or some of them rural schools that don't always have the budget uh, for those so that the kids in those areas, you know, see that there's greater opportunities um, than what sometimes is just that six block radius of home, church, and school. Um, we've done great things like sent kids on their wish through Make-A-Wish. We've helped and supported the American Cancer Society. Um, donated $25,000 to the JDRF. Uh, I have a great nephew who is a type one diabetic uh, and both of Matt's sons are type one diabetics. And so that's one that we raise money for a lot. It's near and dear to our hearts. And it, it's great that we take what some people consider their junk, their waste, and we're able to turn it into uh, a philanthropic giving. Um, so we can make your company green and philanthropic all in one stop by handling your electronic waste or end of life IT equipment. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about where you're getting this equipment from. You're getting it from, you know, from our conversation earlier, it's, is it larger corporations that are kind of, you know, uh, that you're contracted with to get this equipment or, or kind of talks about that process and what that looks like. Sure. Um, you know, our, our bread and butter is the large corporations, obviously. So any company that hundred or more employees, you know, they have, the type of equipment that we're looking for that we can refurbish and potentially resell. Um, Worldwide Technology, Edward Jones are a couple of our center stone companies. Okay. Um, but we, we do everything in the community as well. So we're partnered with the city of Sunset Hills and the city of Ellisville, where once a month we do a drive uh, on the first and third Thursdays of those months. So today my truck is sitting in the City of Sunset Hills pool parking lot where the community can bring in their e-waste uh, and dispose of it properly with us instead of it, you know, ending up in the landfill. Uh, yeah. That was one of the biggest things that I really liked about this business as I'm an avid outdoorsman and nothing frustrated me more than I was floating down a stream or out in the woods hunting and, you know, you see the washers and the dryers and the old refrigerators and all this stuff just dumped down the side of a hill because somebody didn't know where to go with it. Sure. And so uh, we hope that we provide a, a good avenue for somebody to dispose of their electronic waste. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, uh, I did a move about, well, my wife and I moved in April of this year. And if you've ever moved, you go through a lot of junk in the basement, right? And uh, I found an old laptop and I found an old computer monitor. Um, and I was faced with that from a laptop perspective. I didn't care too much about the monitor, but I thought, I don't really know what is on this laptop. Is there private information? Is there old tax returns? You know, what's on here? And I'm not sure I just want to throw this in my trash can. Um, and so thankfully my organization, I could, I could get rid of it here at my organization that I work for. Um, 
but because I thought, well, do I do I try to throw the laptop on the ground and break the hard drive? I mean, you know, I just didn't I didn't know what to do. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people like that in our community here in St. Louis that are, have been faced with similar situations. Um, and so it's really neat to see that like companies like yours partner with, you know, Ellisville and Sunset Hills and um, and I give the avenue for those those uh, individuals to be able to get rid of that type of stuff. But like you said, it then gives you an avenue to be able to, get, to give that kind of stuff back to our community in, in schools or in neighborhoods or in, uh, you know, boys and girls clubs that maybe don't have the resources to go out and buy brand new equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the biggest things to make everybody uh, have that warm, fuzzy feeling about what we do, we're an R2 certified recycling center, which means that we go through thorough audits every year on what we do with our equipment. We have to prove the downstream all the way down to the last part. So it's not like I'm taking your equipment. I have a big hole that I'm just throwing it in. I have to prove where those pieces of equipment go to. And we've invested heavily in data destruction. So I have about a quarter million dollars worth of machines that wipe and sanitize hard drives. Uh, We have a third party company that validates those hard drives to ensure that there is no data left on them. We have a lot of our corporate clients that have sent their security teams down to validate our wipe process to say, yes, once you wipe it using your process, you can go ahead and resell our hard drive. We're that confident in what you do. Um, and then we have companies, uh, you know, we deal with several banks uh, in the St. Louis market and they're like, their bottom line is just absolutely not. It needs to be destroyed. And then we have a, we have a hard drive uh, shredding machine that we can literally just shred that hard drive into a gazillion little pieces to ensure uh, that the data is protected. Because one thing that I don't want as a business owner, a small business owner, uh, is to be on the front page of any newspaper saying you were the cause of a data breach. And unfortunately, it happens you know, pretty regularly and consistently because people just aren't aware of what's on those hard drives. They're always worried about it when it's their piece of equipment that they're using daily. And then they kind of forget about it when it's obsolete and no longer in use, not realizing that there could still be important information on there that you don't want out in the hands of the wrong individual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the business a little bit. I know over the last, uh, well, last year, you've had some challenging times. Um, Talk to us about you know, challenges that have happened in the business and the impact that, you know, um, happened to you and your organization here in January of this year. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tragically in January, I lost my business partner, Matt. Um, We'd been business partners and known each other since 2013 and we became really good friends. Um, And unfortunately, um, Matt turned 47 on January 6th and on January 15th, uh, he passed away of a heart attack. Um, And it, Man, it was a real shock. You, you, can, sure. you can have all the paperwork lined out when you form your LLC, but you can never really prepare for that actual passing, even though you have all your ducks in a row. Um, it, it's not easy to go out and replace somebody. Um, right. Especially uh, someone of that magnitude. Yeah, absolutely. Like he was, you know, again, he was my business partner. So I handled the business development and the operational side and he handled the sales and, and uh, the technical side of the business. And um, then all of a sudden you just, one day that piece is gone. Um, you know, my first thought went to his wife and his kids, obviously, um, concerned for them and their well-being. And, you know, it was kind of, we had been building a management team. So to say that we were okay, we were okay, but you're only as okay as okay can be. And, yeah. you know, the first 90 days was just kind of this 
this haze of survival mode, you know, because you just have, you relive it over and over again, because, you know, how do you really handle that? You know, do you send a broadcast out to all your clients saying, Matt passed away, I didn't think that was the right thing. I wanted to talk to him individually, but that made it really hard for me because I relived it for about 90 days as I was able to, you can only make so many of those phone calls a day and then it's just exhausting. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we're, we're moving on and, you know, the six month mark hit, um, you know, in June and, you know, you, you feel a little bit better every day and, you know, the, the company's moving forward. It's what Matt would want. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just kind of doing the best that we can, but I feel like we're, we're finally coming out of, uh, you know, that gray dark area. Um, and, and now we're just trying to move forward, uh, in the best that way with that we can and, honoring Matt's memory and uh, continuing to build the business with the vision that we had. Absolutely. Well, the reason I asked that question, I thought it was important to bring up in this podcast was, well, first, let me, let me back up. First, I'm sorry um, that that happened to you and, and to Matt's family and his children. I, I, you know, unfortunately I I've been there. I, I lost my mother in 2011, very suddenly to a brain aneurysm. I, um, one day I was with him, the next day she was gone. Um, so I, I've been in that situation, but um, so I'm sorry to, to, to you and, and to Matt's family and to the whole company. The reason I wanted to ask you that question is when you think about business and you think about ownership and, and executives and CEOs, there's so many challenges that face a small business, whether it's COVID, <laughs> whether it's PPP loans, whether it's you know taxes, whatever. There's a million challenges, talent, um, but there's even more challenges sometimes that you know you can't. That's even hard to prepare and plan for, right? right. And this yeah. would be one of those challenges that face you as an individual and and uh, you know Adonis as an organization that you probably weren't ever planning on. And you sounds like you were prepared if it if it happened, right? Which is, is smart on, from a business perspective. But it just reminded me that there's another challenges out there that can come from from running an organization. Um, and to your point, yeah, I can only imagine how many times you can have to have that conversation with clients before at the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm just down, depressed and sad. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to keep doing, keep moving, but, um, it brings me to my next point, which is leadership, right? Talk to me about how that impacted your views on leadership and how you had to lead the organization through that challenging time. You know, um, I'm, 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 I believe in, in God. So I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, you get, you got to have a good, strong faith base um, in life. You got to be grounded. And, um, you know, I think God only gives you what you can handle sometimes. Um, and I have Matt and I were, had a vision of building a team, um, because we wanted Adonis to be one day, what we joked about mailbox money. We joked that one day we would like to be sitting on the beach and being able to meet every Thursday for, you know, a Mai Tai or something, because that was Matt's drink and just be able to discuss the checks that came in the mail. Um, and so we had already started down that route of building a team um, that could run the business. And so fortunately, we had done that about 18 months prior to him passing away. So we had a, a strong person to handle the sales and we have a director of operations and we have an environmental health and safety manager and we have an IT director. Um, and so once everybody got through that initial shock, it was just, you know, you, everybody was already in their rhythm to go. But from really from that leadership perspective, you know, you really had, I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps because if I came into work every day, 
like you said, depressed because I was living the cycle. Um, I had to show a, a different type of leadership and let everybody know that, hey, we're going to be okay. Yeah. We're, we're prepared for this. And whether it was me or Matt, you know, you, we've tr- this is what we've trained you guys to do so that the business survives because, you know, my biggest part of leadership is I want to make everybody a little bit better than what I found them. Um, you know, so I invest heavily into my employees. We meet every Wednesday. We have a staff meeting where we read books as a group. We talk about those books. I believe in personal development. I believe in creating a culture where people are excited and want to come to work. Um, And it's not just a mundane job of, you know, pulling the widget every day. It's uh, we're doing it for a purpose. Uh, We're doing it to be able to help people in the community, to help the environment and help and support each other. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you about your faith. Um, Talk to me about your faith and God and how that plays uh, a very important role in running your organization. And I would say um, you're not going to offend anybody. Every, everybody's entitled to, the, to their own opinion. And, you know, I always jokingly say that I think what the biggest problem of our country is whether you're Republican or you're Democrat or you're Jewish or you're Christian, we just can't all get along as human beings, right? And so, uh, but talk to us about how your faith plays a, tri- a trivial part in your leadership of your organization. Yeah, from, you know, from a faith perspective, you know, um, like I said, we're all here doing things because, you know, God gave us these opportunities. And, um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, I, I talk about this a lot in a coaching group that I'm in. And I had a really good friend send me, uh, John Maxwell, who's one of my favorite authors, has the Maxwell Leadership Bible. And I actually have it sitting right here. And there was a verse that I was going to read about it um, because it, it's just a different way to read the Bible. Um, John has went through and taken... Um, the ideas from the Bible and put them into how you can apply them to your business today. And, you know, one of them was the principled centered leadership, and it comes from Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. And it talks about leaders who last do not merely react to their culture. Uh, They base their leadership on timeless timeliness and universal principles. They remain relevant because they marry culture context to timeless truth. Um, And it talks about being a guide, a guard, and a gauge for your staff. Um, and I just read that last week, and then you sent over those questions, and I and I marked it in the Bible because I just thought, um, you know, that's pretty important, um, and it really goes off the values. You got to be that pillar of strength for your staff. They got to You got to have a vision and a mission on why you're doing what you do, uh, your why, as they call it. Yep. Um, and then you got to stand behind that and, and you got to bring your people along with you and let them know that we all go through things in life, like the passing of Matt. And it brought us closer together. One of Matt's cousins is one of my employees and she's a fantastic person. Um, and there was a different relationship between her and I because she had connected with, you know, obviously she's connected with him as family and not just a boss or a coworker. And, you know, it just kind of brings everybody closer together when you can have those deep conversations about why things happen and, you know, the purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that verse as well. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. 
They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, when we first met, we talked a little bit about um, a book that you guys have read as an organization called Debrief to Win. And uh, give a shout out to Rob Teschner, call sign Cujo, who was actually my very first guest to be on this show. Um, Rob and I go way back. We've known each other several years. He mentored me and coached me for a couple of years and, and really got my mindset um, to where it is today, if, if I'm being honest. Um, and so I owe him a lot of credit for all the, the work he did with me over the years. But you guys have read his book and you kind of follow his philosophy of Debrief to Win. So talk to us about Debrief to Win and how that has impacted you in the business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had the pre- pleasure of seeing Robert uh, speak uh, at an event here in St. Louis. Uh, it was shortly after my dad had passed away. And um, man, he, he just had some great inspiring words. Um, I got my autographed copy of Debrief to Win because it, it is, it's an integral part. I When I find something that I read, I love implementing it because you know, the worst thing that can happen as a small business owner is you try it and it doesn't work. The great thing is I can pivot on a dime because I don't have all of the corporate bureaucracy to go through. Sure. Um, but this is something that really struck with us. And so, you know, we, we have our jumpstart meeting at the beginning of every week where we talk about the goals and what we need to accomplish for the week. And then there's nothing better than coming in on Friday and have that debrief because you're able to catch problems really quick. Everybody has um, the opportunity to stand up and speak uninterrupted to give their viewpoint on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, But then we can really dive into that root cause analysis and see when the problems arose, what could we have done as leadership? What could we have done as a company? What could the employees have done to mitigate the situation so that next time it rises, um, we have a plan for it, or we've prepared better so that it doesn't happen again, because we've already been down that road and we've found the wrongdoings along the way that we could uh, correct. And so there's that debrief has become an integral part of my business and it has uh, improved our policies and our procedures and the processes in the company overall. And we've been doing it for about 24 months now. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, um, I've obviously I've, I've heard um, Cujo speak many times. He's a great, great public speaker. Talk about somebody who also has a fantastic story. I would team by listening to this episode. If, if you don't know who he is, go back to my first episode and listen and listen to his, his story. I will preface that by saying my first episode, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing from a podcasting perspective. So the audio is not great. The intro is not great. The questions may not be as good, but uh, Cujo is good. So that's, that's all that really matters. But um, great guy, um, St. Louis guy and, uh, you know, served in the Air Force was essentially, you know, top gun right? And uh, just a great overall guy. And so, yeah, it's uh, his book is fantastic. And, and that's what I would do with him, right? We would every Monday, he, we would set a goal together. Um, and he would say, this is what your goal is this week. And then Friday, I would have to debrief with him on, okay, did we succeed? If we didn't succeed, why didn't we succeed? Where were the gaps? How did we, how did we, um, we lose track of, you know, what we set out to do in the beginning of the week. And a lot of it relates back to his training in the military and being in the air force and how they would debrief missions and things along those lines. So it's a great book. I highly suggest anybody uh, looking at, looking out for it and getting it. Yep. 
talk to us about some other books maybe that you have read uh, since your time of being the leader of, of Adonis and um, how you've utilized those um, with your with your workforce. I know you mentioned here earlier in the podcast about how you guys read books as, a, as an organization. So talk to us kind of about that philosophy and some some other valuable books that have helped guide you guys as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's nothing better than to be able to read different people's philosophies on business. And there's times as a group, we discuss it nor we, you know, honestly, we'll be like, that one's way off base. I couldn't imagine ever implementing that. But it's interesting that somebody had that perspective. And I'm sure there's people out there that do business that way. Um, one of my most favorite books is The Go-Giver uh, by Bob Berg. Um, talk about a book that just really lays things out and how you cannot judge a book by its cover or somebody because of the what car they drive or how they do things because there are some very interesting people that are very wealthy that are very humble very down to earth um there's the introverts that know everybody and uh can connect you to them even though they're the introvert and in most cases that's the extrovert that knows everybody um but that is one of the best books that um, I would say that the staff really enjoyed. Uh, it was a, it's a simple, easy read, but it, yeah. but it just really brings things to light. Um, another one, uh, local author, Dave Stewart, Doing Business by the Good Book. Um, another great book, um, you know, 52 Lessons on um, Business, um, as again, as it refers to the Bible and how those things uh, just come to life in business and how you can do things. Uh, I have that one here because there was a great one in there that really struck with me too. And that was the consistency um, and just being consistent. Um, it's important to be consistent when you're in business. Um, not that you can't make change. Change has to be for purpose. Um, and you, you know, you got to have that same message that goes out there to everybody, whether it's the individual that comes to Sunset Hills that has the one laptop or it's the worldwide technology, I'm consistent in how I treat their data. Their yeah. data is important to them, whether they have nothing or whether you know, it's a $10 million company. Um, right. Everybody's data is important. And that one little data breach could be um, you know, de destructive to not only my company, but to that individual, most importantly. So absolutely. Um, you know, that, that's a great one. Uh, and then obviously debrief to win would be the third one that I'd highly recommend everybody to read. It was just, you know, it's a very simple when you think about it, it's very simple, you know, here's the plan and then what happened to it. But the way Cujo presents it um, just really got things spinning in my brain and it, and it really resonated with my staff too. And so those would be the top three that I would recommend that I've read over over the years. So, yeah, well, the go giver, we actually ironically just talked about that in our podcast last week with Tom Swip. Um, we talked about, you know, what a great book. So I'm a big networker. That's where it's really how this podcast even got started um, and having the mentality to give rather than going out and trying to get. And if you can have that mentality, you can train yourself in that format. It's amazing what comes back to you. Um, it pays off. Uh, two times, um, I always say, but, um, yeah, great book. Uh, I have not read the one by Dave Stewart, but I'm sure it's also a, a fantastic book, but I think it's interesting to share those types of books and those stories and how you guys are reading them as an organization and the importance of that, that plays in, inside your company culture and the leadership that you have as a company. Right. Absolutely. Well, Jim, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you could leave us with a piece of advice today, whether that's on business, entrepreneurship, or just life in general, what would you leave us with? 
Yeah, absolutely. I guess the one thing that I would say to everybody, um, you know, character and, and integrity, whether it's in personal life or in business are very important. Um, you know, I've heard that said many different ways of, you know, do the right thing when nobody's looking. Um, my favorite one is I'm an avid uh, owner of two wonderful German shepherds is uh, be that person that your dog thinks you are, you know, and, you know, that's what I would leave everybody with just character and an integrity. And you're going to go far um, when you don't have character or integrity. People aren't going to trust you and they're not going to want to do business with you and they probably aren't going to want to be your friend. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jim, on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders podcast, I appreciate you being a fantastic STL leader. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, best of luck to you and Adonis um, and appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, Brian, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I, and I really appreciate Brett for connecting us and giving me this opportunity. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Mike Kitko.